0: Do you remember what Bill Campbell said about money? (laughs) Can you quote it for me? Yeah, I'm
1: not sure we can say it on air. Oh, hell yes. We can say it on air. Yes, absolutely.
2: Okay, it's time to commit. 2024 is the year for prioritizing yourself. Begin your new smile journey with Bite, and you could start seeing results in just two to three weeks.
0: The title of this podcast is Sand Hill Road. The title of Scott Cooper's new book is The Secrets of Sand Hill Road. So you knew it was only a matter of time before the two of us would sit down and compare notes. We're both using Sand Hill Road as a metonym, a word or a phrase that describes something bigger, the way we say Hollywood to mean the movie industry. So we're both using the phrase figuratively to mean venture capital. Now, I should point out, we are doing this interview at 2865 Sand Hill Road in Driesen Horowitz. So we are literally on Sand Hill yes. Road, but literally and figuratively, what is Sand Hill Road to you?
1: Yeah, so literally, as you described, it is a road. It's uh, I'm a country music fan, so it's uh, like music road to me in Nashville is kind of the best analogy. Uh, but it is also figuratively kind of the home of most of venture capital today. It's where if you drive up and down the street, mm-hmm. Uh, you could very easily find places to raise money if you're so successful. But uh, you know, interestingly enough, the, the you know, center of, of gravity seems to be shifting up north a little to San Francisco. So 10 years from now, when we do this podcast, it'll be interesting to see whether Whether Sandhill we Road still call it Sand Hill yeah. Road. Yeah, 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 for
0: sure. Maybe we will. It is curious to me, and it's a, a theme I go back to in this podcast over and over, that in a time in which people work remotely— and in which we can go anywhere in the globe and we can move money using our phones, using Venmo and PayPal and whatnot, Sandhill Road, Menlo Park still matters. I mean, yes, there's venture capital in other cities, et cetera, but somehow this place still matters in an age in which place shouldn't
1: matter at all. Yeah, it's, it's, I think it's interesting. I think what explains it is kind of the concept of a network effect, right, which is uh, for the listeners, you know, a network effect is the idea that the more people you have involved in the network, the more valuable the network becomes. And so over the last really, you know, 60, 70 years here, we've built up this network of lawyers and accountants and financiers and entrepreneurs and engineers. And it all just kind of works. It kind of feeds on itself. So it's very hard to break these network effects, it turns out. But I think you're absolutely right, which is, look, we will, we do, and we will continue to see, you know, venture capital and entrepreneurship thrive at other geographies for sure.
0: The uh, lobby at Andreessen Horowitz is a hive of activity. Yeah. How often do you have people coming in from, uh, you know,
1: distant states, distant lands? All, All the time, actually. So, uh, both on the entrepreneur side, and then we do a lot of work with corporate partners here as well. So uh, as you probably saw, it's pretty busy, and uh, you know, we try to kind of make sure the trains are running on time uh, through the lobby there. You were employee number one? That's correct. What drew you to it? So I had worked with Mark Andreessen and Ben Horowitz uh, starting in 1999 when they started a company called LoudCloud, which was, we were trying to build Amazon Web Services is basically what we're trying to do. And uh, I had the pleasure of working with them for, you know, kind of almost 10 years before this started. And uh, it's either fun or I'm a glutton for punishment, one of the two, but it's been a mostly a fun experience.
0: And Andreessen Horowitz was one of the very first firms, uh, maybe the first firm to go beyond funding entrepreneurs and really nurturing them as you were saying earlier uh, not just uh, offering money but but guidance sometimes even staff
1: yeah Yeah, what's happened is the biggest change we've had in the venture business over the last 10 years is it's just changed in a way where capital used to be the scarce resource and now capital is pretty, you know, plentiful. And so I think the challenge for us and for venture capitals and industry is what besides capital can you offer to entrepreneurs to make yourself attractive to entrepreneurs? And you're right. What we've done here is we've invested. We have about 160 people today and about 100 of those people work closely with our portfolio companies to help them from sales enablement to uh, marketing and PR, you know, and, uh, you know, executive talent Acquisition, and that's how we think about you know differentiating ourselves ultimately in the marketplace.
0: What's the simplest help you've given a company?
1: Uh, that's a really good question. Uh, I think some of the simplest help sometimes is just sitting down and having a conversation with the entrepreneur and helping them think through either an organizational change maybe they're making or, you know, kind of a strategy change in the business. And, you know, I'm not sure those uh, those will ever get written about in books uh, per se, but uh, but I think a lot of times, quite frankly, the value of a venture capitalist is just having a sounding board and a partner in some respects to bounce ideas off of. And we certainly try to do our fair share of that. You've mentioned
0: how much capital is out there, and I want to get to that in more detail in a second. But first, let's talk about the return on capital and uh, not necessarily a good investment uh, venture capital. You've pointed out the median t- 10-year return on venture capital underperforms the NASDAQ,
1: Yeah, just put your money in an index fund and call (laughs) it a day, right? I think, look, I think in general, that's true, right? So if you are going to invest in the average venture capital fund, I absolutely agree. You should go put your money elsewhere. Maybe under your mattress these days might be a safer place. Yeah, the way this business works is um, you have this concept of kind of what's called a power law curve, which means there's a very small number of deals that ultimately drive most of the returns for our uh, business. And there's also a very small number of venture firms that ultimately generate most of the returns in the business. So you could have a great firm who might return 35, 40, 50 percent of somebody's money uh, in terms of annualized return. uh, But there's not very many of those. And you're absolutely right, which is kind of the median, unfortunately, is really no better than in many cases being in the public markets.
2: Delve into the shadows of the mind with Sleeping Dogs, a gripping murder mystery starring Academy Award winner Russell Crowe. Now available on digital. Crow portrays an ex-homicide detective, unraveling a brutal murder he can't recall. Uncovering secrets from his past, he learns a chilling truth. It's best to let sleeping dogs lie. Visit sleepingdogsmovie.com slash wondery to watch Sleeping Dogs, now on digital. That's sleepingdogsmovie.com slash wondery.
0: Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. Is Andreessen Horowitz the most important venture capital firm?
1: (laughs) <laughs> uh, I I I, uh, I think we are an important part of the venture ecosystem. Look, I, I certainly wouldn't say that we're the most important. What we're what we're trying to do, and I think what we're trying to you know kind of move the industry toward is this concept of you know capital uh, no longer being kind of the only defining characteristic of what makes a successful firm. And and we want to make sure that we can be valuable to entrepreneurs. And if we do that, and they're successful, then I think that will help make us successful.
0: Let's talk about that capital. There's a lot of money out there. You've written money is being invested at a rate that's connected to the amount of money and not the amount of ideas.
1: Yeah, I think there's, uh, so there's two things going on, right? We've got this interesting dynamic in the venture business, which is it's easier than ever to raise initial capital. So we've had over the last 10 years, lots of new seed firms that have grown up. And so if you're an entrepreneur who's got a really interesting idea, the prospects of being able to raise a million, $2 million are probably much easier than they've ever been. Um, at the same time, though, kind of the competition for capital as those companies mature is increasingly tough, right? So, you know, kind of as you go through the gauntlet and you go from your seed round to subsequent rounds of financing, uh, you have to kind of, you know, you have to really perform to continue to be able to kind of pull from, uh, pull from the, the financial spigot there. And so we've got to play on both sides of that equation. So part of our strategy for our business is to be active in the early stage and then be an active player also in the later stage for our companies that are really performing well and hopefully give us the opportunity to back them you know, alongside uh, that benefit as well.
0: You said just a second ago it was a good time for an entrepreneur to jump in, yep. get, get that early seed round. Yep. If I'm listening to this in an office working for somebody and I've always thought, you know what I really want to do is I want to do a startup and I've got this idea and when the boss isn't looking, I'm, I'm working on it and, and drawing diagrams. Is now 2019 the time? If you were going to do this, do
1: it. Yeah, look, I think it always depends on the quality of the idea, of course. <laughs> let's, let's assume it's right. a decent idea. Let's assume idea. it's good, right? Yeah. And as we know, most of these things, unfortunately, don't work mm. out as we all plan. But yeah, I think, again, what's different now is there are, I think the number is something like 500 new firms that have been started in the seed arena over the last 10 years. I mean, that's just amazing. And you see it in the numbers. So the number of seed things that are getting funded is very, very large. So yes, I think if you're... A dedicated entrepreneur, you got a great idea. You know, this is as good a time as any to at least kind of give that uh, idea a roll. What is your thought on
0: sovereign funds? I know that's part of the reason there's so much money in the system. Is there a responsibility by a firm to reject money coming from sovereign funds that may have questionable background?
1: Yeah. So there's definitely, we're seeing more sovereign wealth activity really in two areas. One is potentially as investors in funds themselves, but then also directly investing uh, in companies. Well, and
0: you can't control that, but what about money that's offered to you that are coming from from sovereign investors?
1: Look, I mean, I don't know. I won't speak for everybody in the industry. I think the way way we try to think about it is, look, we want people, we want investors who understand the asset class, who are long-term investors, who are patient, who understand the concepts that we talked about, which is, you know, the average venture firm just isn't a great investment. And so, we've got to deliver ultimately for them. And so look, I think as with all things, we should be mindful uh, where that money comes from. Uh, But you know, in the end, at the end of the day, um, I think really, you know, we need people who really understand the asset class as the primary determinant for how we think about capital.
0: Young startup has to money, uh, manage money carefully. That said, it's important not to take too much. I was talking with Jenny Lefcourt the other day.
2: I don't mean to poo-poo what we did. It was incredible, but you also have to be careful that you don't overcapitalize your businesses. And I think both of the two first businesses that I started,
0: the positive side is that I was really good at raising venture capital, and the negative side is I was a little too good at raising venture capital. There is this naivete, perhaps, in young startups, let's get as much money as we can, and that's not necessarily the right answer.
1: Yeah, I, I agree with you, and we talk about this in the book, which is I think there is uh, I think entrepreneurs often can make that mistake about capital, right? And so the right amount of money to raise is the right amount of money that you need to accomplish the milestones that will get you to the next fundraise is basically the way to think about it. And if you take more than that, then, you know, you need to outperform relative to those objectives. And obviously taking less, of course, is also a problem. But I think you're right. I think one of the most important things entrepreneurs can do is think carefully about how do I maximize the chances that I keep having these kind of, you know, higher valuation rounds over time. And one way to do that is to be cautious about the amount of capital you take in.
0: In your book, Secrets of Silicon Valley, you say on page 112, you're not ready for your pitch until you know what you want, how much, and why. Yeah. Seems yeah. basic, but that's actually pretty tough.
1: I think that's right. You know, what a, a lot of times what happens is somebody will come in and they'll say, I'm raising an A round, and it's $8 million. and. The answer probably is it's eight million dollars because my buddy down the street just raised eight million dollars for his Series A, so that seems right. And and what I think the venture capitalists really want to know is, okay, maybe eight's the right number, but what are you going to do with that? How does that kind of de-risk those milestones for that next financing round? And if you had six or if you had ten, how would those objectives look differently? And and I think people, you know, sometimes again just don't spend as much time thinking critically about uh, what that answer is.
0: We mentioned raising too much money, but then again, cash flow is very serious. For Absolutely. do you remember what Bill Bill Campbell said about money? <laughs> Can you- you for yeah, me? I'm not
1: sure we can say it on air. Oh here. hell yes, we can say it. On yes, here. absolutely.
0: Use the F word and everything, unless you don't want to use yeah, the yeah. F word. So, Bill
1: Campbell. Uh, for those people who don't know, Bill, he was a fantastic legend in Silicon Valley. Uh, you know, sat on the Apple board, was a senior executive in Apple and uh, Google most recently. Uh, and uh, Bill was on our board at Opsware, which was a, a successor company of Loudcloud. And he he always used to say in the board meetings, he says, "It's not about the money; it's about the fucking money." <laughs> and i think it's a great lesson which uh, reminds you uh, you know markets uh, can remain irrational longer than you can remain solvent right so cash is your friend at all times
0: so in your book, this is not just a book about pitching. I want to talk about pitching, but it is literally walking you through everything about a firm f- and what you need to know. You know, founder stock vesting, transfer restrictions, employee option pools, discounted cash flow analysis. This is not a light beach read. This is somebody, <laughs> if you really want to know the secrets of Silicon Valley, you are telling them the secrets of Silicon Valley.
1: Well, that's that was the goal. I mean, I've been in this business for 10 years now, and I've been in tech for about 25 years. And what I find is it's just people's. It seems to me, at least, the, based on the questions I get from entrepreneurs, that the desire for more information kind of far outstrips kind of the actual available information out there. And I think for too long there's been this big information asymmetry between kind of what the VCs know because we do this you know ten, hundreds, thousand times a year versus entrepreneurs who might do this you know five or ten times in their career. And so what I hope to do, and I hope uh, it, it's entertaining as well, but it was to really kind of, you know, take the covers off and demystify the business. And I hope if that encourages people to, you know, go into entrepreneurship, if they weren't thinking about it or interact more favorably with their existing venture capitalists, then, you know, that'll consider that a job well done.
0: All right. Let's talk about those pitches because there are lots of
1: books that, you know, how to pitch. Yeah, uh, yeah. Uh, how many pitches do you think you've seen? Uh, we probably see, as a firm, we probably see 2,000, 3,000 a year, so times 10. So 20 to 30,000, I'm not sure I've seen all of those, but I bet I've seen at least you know 20% of those. Any of them stand out in your mind for any reason? Yeah, you know, the, the, I'll tell you, that surprisingly to me, the thing that stands out the most, which is uh, more of a generalization, is I would have thought that after seeing that many pitches that we'd walk out of a lot of them and say, you know what, I've seen that idea before, that's a silly idea, or I can't believe someone would be so crazy to do that. I can probably count on one hand, you know, the number of times over the last 10 years where we've walked out of a pitch and felt that way. Uh, And so to me, what's, you know, fantastically amazing about this business is just seeing what entrepreneurs are doing and the types of challenges they're taking on. And, you know, I almost never walk out and say, you know, kind of that's a commonplace idea that, uh, you know, 50 other people can do.
0: Although you did write in my notes, at least uh, I say you write all (laughs) problems have been identified. Did
1: you really say that? Uh, I don't, th- I don't think I said it quite that way. I think what, maybe what I said was there are lots of things actually that we've tried before that didn't work that might work. So it's interesting if you look at, you know, uh, you know, food delivery, right? So right. <laughs> we used to have this thing called Webvan right? Which you probably recall yes. uh, having been in the Valley for a long time. And we now have things like Instacart and others. Uh, it is interesting that kind of the passage of time sometimes is what makes these ideas successful. Uh, you know, I talked about loud cloud, right? Was the business that Mark and Ben had started before here. Uh, we were trying to build Amazon web services. It was a great idea. We were probably at least 10 years, too early. And so uh, what I intended, at least hopefully by that one, was not that all ideas are done, but that many ideas that we thought were done actually might be viable business models now, just given the proliferation of the internet.
0: And in those pitches, you've talked about the importance of storytelling in pitch. That is critical. And I think it's something, if we were... To generalize something that tech entrepreneurs coming from an engineering background may have some struggle with yeah. the, the the storytelling. Obviously, everybody's heard of the elevator pitch, sure. but the you know this is what we're doing and this is why we're doing it.
1: Yeah, it, and it's really what what we what I talk about in the book and what I'm trying to get to on storytelling is. If you think about a big market and a big market opportunity, there's going to be competition. So the question then often for a venture capitalist is why do I want to back this team versus any other set of teams that might come by with the same idea? And so part of what we're trying to assess is, you know, are people going to be crazy enough to quit their jobs and go work for you when you've got nothing but, you know, kind of a check that a venture capitalist wrote and is a customer who has no business to put their job on the line going to try your product before it's prime time? And a lot of those are, you can either say storytelling or there are, are you know, are you a, a person who knows how to kind of, you know, in an emotional appealing way, help people understand what you're trying to accomplish and effectively get people to line up behind you. And, and I agree, for some people that can be hard, but, but you really can see it when it's organic and when it's natural. Just the passion that people have in their business, often that connotes uh, you know, successful storytelling as well. Silly question
0: for somebody who really literally wrote a book, The Secrets of Silicon Valley. But what do you know about Silicon Valley that, and, and Sand Hill Road, rather, that many people don't?
1: Yeah, look, I think there's a lot of stuff, uh, and we try to unpack a bunch of them in in the book here, but part of it is this concept of kind of, what what are the venture capitalists looking for and how are they going to evaluate your deals and so you know we talk about this a little bit in the, in the book but one of the issues is people often go to things like product and they're very very focused on product which I understand we're in the business of investing in products but at this early stage we're mostly investing in people quite frankly and we're more interested quite frankly in the idea maze of how did you get to the product with the understanding that we know the product's going to change it's going to you know we use this term pivot which is a very polite way of saying you know we we, we screwed up before now we're going to try something different and we understand all those risks well, we've got to be able to assess is kind of the human capabilities and the human tendencies of the organization and the capabilities of the organization to do things that are, in many cases, unknown as to how they may play out over time.
0: Andreessen Horowitz is Scott Cooper, author of The Secrets of Sandhill Road. You heard me talk about Jenny Lefcourt earlier in my conversation with Scott. Jenny is now at Freestyle Capital, and she'll be on the podcast next week. For more interviews with Silicon Valley's most influential entrepreneurs, check me out on TV at Press Here. That's Sunday mornings on NBC Bay Area and everywhere in the world on iTunes at at PressHereTV.com.
2: You know how to book flights and hotels.